All right, welcome back to Worst Season House. Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta come to you from Split Rocks on a uh, kind of, I thought it was foggy, but it turns out it's really smoky. Yeah, the wildfires. Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I've been out of town. Wildfires in Canada. It was forecast yesterday. And the only reason I looked at the forecast is I had a tea time and of it was course supposed to be 80 and sunny. And it was hazy, and we found out it was because of the wildfires in Canada. So the only thing I could think of, can you imagine being somewhere closer to that? We're like a 16-hour drive away from where the fires are, and yet it's still affecting Crazy. it here. And you could actually smell a little smoke this morning when I was walking the course yeah. out at Loggers Trail. Yeah, I got. Uh, I was in Vegas uh, for a couple days. Um, was out at Vegas Golden Knights practice yesterday, um, and they. It, it, you know, I've talked to you about this before, Anthony. And you know, you and I have the luxury of being able to go into visitors' locker rooms and things like that. And it's always fascinating to me when you go cover a different team and just sort sort of see how things are done there. Uh, practice unbelievably quiet. Like if that was a wild practice, we'd be like a little concerned. Like there's no energy. There's no hooting and hollering. It was quiet which to me meant business-like. And then you go in the locker room, everybody's in there, the entire team. There was no, like, you go in a wild locker room and those guys disappear almost instantly. Uh, practice, you know, games are obviously always different. I could not believe how many guys were just sitting in their stalls hanging out yesterday. At the practice rink? Yeah. Yeah, It's and which is, that's part of the reason why it's different for the wild now at their practices is because, They've got such a luxurious setup in their practice facility mm -hmm. that why would you sit in front of your locker when you can walk down the hall and lounge, yeah. eat? The you think the Golden Knights there? don't have that? No, I'm just, I haven't been to their practice yeah. facility, it's, but I've heard it. It's not anything close to what Tria no, is. No, Tria is as good as it gets in the league, but they but they have a, you know, and it's they Vegas. They have places they could hide if yeah. they wanted to And it's Vegas. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, you know, it was really, really uh, interesting talking and listening. And then again, same, you listen to a different coach and their coach speak. It's always just uh, different. And then I'm heading out to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, next week. Uh, Mark Lazarus is covering games one through four. Then I'll pick up game four in Florida and go back and forth to Raleigh and then cover the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I mentioned I was in Vegas. Uh, you, you're a big darts player. Have you ever heard of the place called Fight Club? No. All right. So this is a place called Fight Club in Vegas. It's in the Palazzo, uh, right between, right by the like over, like the uh, sort of the uh, overpass, whatever they call those things, uh, to get over to the win. Um, this is like, it, it, I mean, it's basically split rocks only for darts. They got twenty lanes. It's wow. as high end as you can get. Do you remember we were trying to find a place to play darts there a few we years ago, and there out was a lot. At and this there place. was no place. Remember, yeah. we ended up going out to, I'm going to forget the name of it now, but we went two years in a row, the Rum Runner. The Rum Runner. And we called this, we had. We were asking people up and down the strip, is there a place to play dart, shoot pool, do any anything like that? Because the young guys were out there with me. And no place, no place. So we finally found this Rum Runner. We called him on the phone. Yeah, yeah, we have pool tables and dart boards. And so we get a cab and when we get in, we said, we're going to the Rum Runner. And the guy looked at us like, you're leaving the strip to go to the Rum Runner? <laughs> and drove us out there. We played and, and it was fun. The next year we went to try to find the same place. We, we went get to the, the wrong cab runner, again, right? get, go to the Rum Runner. We drive and it's a, we get out of the car. We're like, this place doesn't look anything like where we were last year. And a couple of the guys were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I was like, oh, this doesn't look. We walked inside. It was totally different. And the guy said, yeah, there's three Rum Runners here. None are owned by the same person. They're all, they just have three different places called the Rum Runner off the strip in Vegas. With the odds of that have to be astronomical yeah. against it, no, and that's so that's where we've gone. And we so, joked because it was 
the the bar up in St. Joe. I don't know if we have a small crowd here tonight, so the odds of there being Johnny's or Benny's in the crowd might be low. But in St. Joe, the bar there was called that we used to go to. There's a couple, but Sal's was the main one. So we jokingly called it the Sal's of Vegas. It was like a college dive bar off the strip in Vegas, but they had dart boards. Yeah, I've been to Sal's with you. Um, yeah, you have. I think a couple times now. Maybe yeah, once. At least once. Um, so uh, so we will be hanging at the Fight Club a lot. This All place right. is um, super high-end darts place. And uh, it's basically you, you get it for the lane. So 90 minutes, 20 lanes of darts, uh, 90 minutes, 20 bucks. Um, drinks, menus, all that type of stuff. And then they got five different types of games. They're sort of own invented game. And, and they everything is also on video. And they do instant replays. They'll, they'll actually show the dart in an animated way, hitting the board as a replay. And then afterwards, when you're done, they send you a video of your entire like darts round. So you got video oh. of like all this cool stuff. It is really neat. And um, uh, but my favorite one they have that reminded me of you is we we always we call things the donkey league. Everybody's a donkey in in uh, when Anthony and I like speak about players mostly that we don't like um they have a donkey game there and the way it works is that whoever you're you're playing against you each get assigned a a number to shoot at at the board and it's a couple donkeys on this tv in front and if you know say you're 15 and i'm eight you know if i hit a 15 uh you go back one if i hit an eight i go up and you go and that's how you win the game i that was my like i'm not kidding you i won like 15 out of 17 games against my friend your friend must be the worst dart player He's on not. the planet. That was what's amazing. I just finally found my game, and it's the donkey game. It's it because most of the time the 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 name that Michael was given over the years was the accidental dartist. Yes, and it was no Mike matter. Greenlay gave it to me. It was, and it, and actually, remember when he gave it to you? We almost came to blows that night because yep. <laughs> he was. Let's just say that if if Michael's aiming at the twenty, he's as liable to hit any number on the board as the twenty. And sometimes it would be one dart would hit the coin slot, the other might hit the scoreboard, and then the third one would hit the 20. And he started calling him the accidental dartist, and I said, well, it wasn't really accidental because that is what he was trying to hit. It was... Yeah, the other ones were the accidents. The other ones were the... Were the and it nearly caused a fight in the bar one night, but... Let's just say Michael didn't win all that often. So if you beat somebody fifteen out of seventeen, I'd like to play that guy for money. I'm telling you, he's he's better than you. Than uh, like he beats me in every one except for that. Do you remember you were a part of the original dartboard for my basement purchase? Yeah, we I were was. bored one night down at that place in Northeast, the the bar we used to go to by your old place. You, me, Chadley, and AJ were down Keegan's. there. Keegan's, and we had decided we wanted to play darts. Their board was broken or something, and we said, well, let's just go buy one. We'll put it up in our basement, and it's now become a big part of life in the basement at LaPanta's since then. Yeah. The, door, the board's been upgraded since that night, too. But By the way, if you're listening at home and here in the crowd, you could tell the Wild have did absolutely nothing in the last three weeks because uh, we got nothing to talk about with the Wild. Uh, they're still in a search for an Iowa coach. Uh, Bill Guerin and, his, and um, Chris O'Hearn and Matt Maka and Jeff Pellegrim, they, uh, uh, who's the CFO of the team, uh, and Wild Craig, Craig Leopold just went uh, on a bit of a retreat to just you know kind of assess the season and all that. And then so now we'll start to th- see things, I think, come into fruition. Uh, you know, try to make some hay with uh, Philip Gustafson, uh, you know, as, as Bill Guerin has been very transparent about. He would like to bring back um, Ryan Reeves and, and all that stuff. By the way, uh, Brandon, our illustrious producer, has told me that tonight is our 400th 
uh, show. Not Anthony and me, but uh, 400th, where Brandon and I have done together. Um, uh, start off at the Russo Suhan show. Now the worst seats in the house with Anthony Lapanta and Michael Russo. And uh, this is number 400. And it just it, it feels like 50, doesn't it, Brandon? It's just a yeah. It's, Brandon just loves it. Um, <laughs> so uh, so all right, let's talk a little uh, hockey right now. Um, Let's actually start with the Arizona Coyotes uh, because it's just what, I, what a yeah, I, show that is. I, I, it's just unbelievable, and and just to show you how they were convinced they were going to win that vote, Anthony is is they were making arrangements. Like I was supposed to talk to Xavier Gutierrez the day after during a time slot to do a big celebration story on how they found themselves a home, and then they just lose the freaking vote. And what's still to me amazing, like I don't even know why we needed to go to a vote because 1.9 billion of the 2.1 billion is is publicly is privately funded, but yet it's still for that extra 200 mil, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, two hundred million, two hundred thousand. It isn't nothing, but yep. it's still it's it's small considering the size of the whole project. But it really makes you wonder. I mean, I listened to some of the sound bites from people who voted against it and explaining why they voted against it, and it was dumbfounding. It was like, did you even understand what the vote was when you went in there? I, I really, I didn't think so. But it also. You just can't make up what's happened with that franchise. And the whole situation in Glendale, the team doesn't want the arena, the arena doesn't want the team, and and you wind up playing in a college rink, and it it just it makes no sense. And the the continued argument that there are fans in Arizona thirsting for hockey is a ridiculous argument. There aren't. They're not. We've been down there for games. I've seen two games that didn't involve the Minnesota Wild, and it was much like Wild games, where 50% of the crowd are Minnesota fans, there are not, uh, there's not a huge chunk of NHL fans in Scottsdale. They're, so I don't know. I, it well, just I mean, it's interesting because, they, you know, they, they always blamed everything on where they put the arena, Glendale, and not Scottsdale. Um, but it's not like it's in, it's not like they put this arena in Siberia. If you're right. a hockey that's, what, that's exactly yeah, what my point go. is. You're going like, to go. Well, like, it's not like Glendale is freaking like Duluth even. Right. Right? Like Duluth is an, what, an, well, an hour from where we are, hour and 10. It's not but even like, it isn't even like going to St. Cloud. It's, yeah. It would be like going from Minneapolis to Elk River for yeah. a game. And it's, it, yes, traffic's terrible and all that kind of, it, that, all of that is valid. But that's my point, is that if there were passionate hockey fans down there, it's no different than the when the North Stars used to play in Bloomington. That was it. Was just as far for me to get to a North Stars game as it is for somebody in Scottsdale to get to Glendale. And if there were this huge chunk of fans down there, I gotta believe you would have had them stuffing the ballot box to make sure this thing passed in Tempe. And they were very confident it was going to happen. I, we were down there a couple times late in the year, yeah. and everybody was just assuming that it was a done deal because of how little they were actually asking the public to contribute. So now I. I don't know. I saw the team's messaging saying we're still going to look for another municipality that wants to work with us. Well, how long can this go on? Yeah. I mean, this one was in the works for two years. The last year they were in Glendale, now a year in Mullet Arena, and that was still going to take them three years yeah. to build this one. So how long? Maybe infinitely, because it does seem like this has become a very personal thing for Gary Bettman. Become. It's and, the yeah. most personal and, thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not become. Um, it is, and this is a personal uh, 
beat by you know defeat toward him. And I think he is just going to continue and continue and continue to figure out whether it's going to the Suns and begging them or, or as you said, try, you know, it sounded today like they have other options now um, where, you know, a couple days ago, it looked like they were destined to play in Houston or, or someplace like that, Kansas City. Uh, Duluth, Minnesota, who knows? Um, and uh, now it's it's no longer that way. So it, this just seems like an endless, endless, endless thing. And I don't see any other market that would have been allowed to play in a 5,000-seat arena. I don't see any other league yeah. that would have allowed that. I mean, it's just Not crazy. Not for three years yeah. and now for an infinite yeah. amount of time. Because this let's even push, say this pushes tom- everything back. Right. Let's say tomorrow Scottsdale said, hey, we think we can get an arena deal done. Well, it's got to be a year for that vote to take place. Yes. Not to mention everything else that would go into it, finding a site and and all that, and then three years to build that. You're it just it doesn't make any sense, and and I don't have any. I haven't talked to anybody about it. I've done zero research into this, but it, I gotta believe the owners would be reluctant to say, "Yep, let's let them realign and pick one of the markets that." could be next on the list for expansion and not that expansion is imminent or anything, but you know that it's in the back of those owners' minds that that's a big check. If we get a expansion team in Houston or Atlanta, or I know there's been a lot of talk about Quebec and during this process, you even heard cities like Salt Lake and Portland pop up. Well, if they're looking at any of those markets saying this is a legit possibility for an expansion team that we got to be getting into the neighborhood of where those expansion teams are, they're pushing a billion dollars. Absolutely, that's thirty million bucks per owner. Yep, Seattle was six hundred mil, and so you know if the Senators are going to be sold in the billion range, which is what the reports are right now. That you're the right, next expansion, expansion team's got to be somewhere in between mm-hmm. at minimum, one hundred percent. And that's why, again, it's like I cannot imagine. I mean, Gary Bettman's the boss, which I always find fascinating with any with any sports commissioner that they're the boss, but the owners hire them. But you, the owners cannot be happy with the revenue that is being lost right. by having them play in a college. Did you read some of the articles tournament. at the end of the year where they claimed that their revenue yeah, was just as yeah. high I as I can tell you it's BS. I mean, it, like, there's no way. Yeah. Like Bill Armstrong point blank has told me that it's baloney. I mean, just, I mean, we've been there. Just look, there's no ads. Right. They don't get anything for parking. There's basically no concessions there. Well, they had to, the part of the deal was that there, I can't remember the number. I want to say it was like 800 tickets mm-hmm. had to be sold to students because they yep. could buy season tickets to Arizona State yep. and get them for the Coyotes for like $10 yeah. or $20 it's crazy. or something. And you know what those students are doing with them? They're just turning around and selling them. Yeah, they're putting them on like TickPick and right. stuff. And so it's, it's, but that, that all of those, that's <laughs> where all the Wild fans were sitting in the student section and it was those tickets obviously aren't going to the club. So you've got out of your 4,500 seats, 800 of them. Uh, and I might be a little off on what those exact numbers were, but I think it was 800 tickets. And I think it was under $20 per game for the yeah. students. I do. I, you know, there are like, uh, like, I don't disagree with you that there are, you know, that there's not this flood of fans down there, but I do feel bad for the fans that are fans. And I feel bad for the people that work for that team that have been dragged through well, just decade for, sure. for years. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, I cannot imagine if you're Bill Armstrong, how the heck you ever get anybody that's willing to play there. You got to be like a 36 year old from freaking like, you know, like on the outskirts of your career to even consider going there as a free agent or just have no options because um, it, it's just it, it's got to be a humbling experience every night uh, playing there. It's, it's well, fun for a novelty for a year. Or players that are retired. Yep, exactly. Um, yep, you could do a whole uh, a whole uh, wall of uh, Coyotes greats that never ever played for them. Let's talk a little playoff hockey now. 
Yep, you can come up on up anytime. You got to use the mic though. People uh, can't hear you that are listening at right now in their car or on their exercise bike or something. By the way, I want that Bloody Mary. That uh, looks good. Yeah. So, how are you? Um. So are they staying? Yeah, they're, now they are staying. They're they're hundred percent playing year, next year. Yes, yep. For this year, okay. Yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, maybe yeah. you could have asked that from over there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't clear to everybody. They are staying there. They're hundred percent playing the twenty twenty three Ford season at least there, and they're now looking at other options and they're basically buying t- buying time. But as Anthony said, you know, every minute this doesn't go by, there's a delay. Uh, you know, any place that they find, they're going to need to have a public vote. That's not happening tomorrow. I mean, you could obviously, you know, you could create special elections, but not by next week. Um, what was the, it was the Atlanta to Winnipeg move that happened really yeah. late, right? It was almost yeah. the end of May, well, yeah, if I, I mean, remember right. Yep. I essentially, I mean, I, I've, it's funny because I'm actually working a story, uh, I'm working on a story right now without giving too much away about the potential expansion into Atlanta again. And I've done a lot of research on what went on in, in that, that, that when they moved to Winnipeg and essentially the owners handed in the keys. I mean, it was the worst ownership in the history of the world. It was, I mean, it was just, they, I mean, honestly, as bad of, as a, um, as, as sports ownership can be. And they essentially handed in the keys and it felt like that the Phoenix Coyotes were the team that was going to move to Winnipeg and that all the papers were drafted. And, you know, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but Gary Bettman essentially crossed out overnight Phoenix and typed in Atlanta and said, you're out of here. And that's how it was. It came completely out of the blue. Um, kind of like 1993-4 expansion when nobody really knew that Florida and Anaheim was coming in the NHL and all of a sudden they're at the Board of Governors meetings at the Breakers in December and they're like, hey, uh, breaking news, uh, the team right, th- the, the market 30 minutes south of here is getting an expansion team. I remember calling, uh, the, I, was, I was up there stringing for AP and I'm like, I'm recalling, I forget who I called him. like, Hey, is this a, like a known thing? Because I didn't hear anything about it. I was just told to babysit. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like it was nobody knew that the Florida Panthers yeah. were getting a... Well, times are different yeah. now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. That would be uh, rumored forever and ever and ever. All right, let's talk a little playoff hockey. Um, Florida and Carolina are playing right now. Game one of the Eastern Conference final. Um, no score. Um, about, what, eight minutes into the game. Um, this is going to be a really good series. Exactly, uh, I think, this score right now is what we're going to see pretty much throughout the series. A very low-scoring, um, hard-fought series. Um, I, Carolina, I think, is the better team, but Florida, there's dead some some tood they're playing with right now. Yeah, and I think we talked on last week's show about the fact that, in hindsight, their success in the playoffs maybe shouldn't have been quite as big a shock to anybody with the fact that this was a team that won the President's Trophy a year ago, added Matthew Kachuk in place of Jonathan Huberdeau, and Kachuk had a tremendous year and has added some attitude to that club. I think the the biggest story with them is what in the world happened to Sergei Bobrovsky? All of a yeah. sudden, he's come back and returned to form. He had lost his job to mm-hmm. Alex Lyon as these playoffs were starting, and he suddenly now looks like the Bobrovsky that they acquired and overpaid a couple of years ago. If he continues like that, I mean, Carolina, I agree with you. I think they're the better team, but now they all of a sudden might be the team with question marks in goal. They've played three different goalies already yep. in this playoff run, and Freddie Anderson has not looked exactly like the top of his game Freddie Anderson that we've seen throughout his career. Uh, I think this series could go either way. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And really coincidentally, so on the drive up to here to Wyoming, I was on the phone with a source of mine that is extremely close with Sergey Bobrovsky. And we were talking about his contract and how everybody, um, you know, has been ripping on that deal, obviously, for a long, long time. Um, and uh, I and what we basically said is that if he goes and wins a cup, nobody's going to ever remember that again. You know, it's like that will be his destiny. Um, he is playing unbelievable right now. Um, How about the other part of this that I think is really interesting? The three Stahl brothers all playing yeah, in this series. totally. And and you got Eric and Mark who seem to be on the ice together a lot. I don't know yep. if it's by design or not, but they seem to end up out there a lot together. And and I, I Jordan Stahl is, I think, one of the more underrated yep. players in the league. He's, he's a dependable against the other team best great face-off guy still can score but I think just a terrific player Eric I mean what a great story a guy that out of the league and now all of a sudden he's back in a conference final and playing a significant role yeah and two years ago before he lost his job last year he was in the Stanley Cup final in the bubble in the uh, not the bubble but the 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 pandemic year where everybody was sort of realigned and all that type of stuff. Uh, so, so, uh, yes, uh, Eric Stahl, uh, after winning a cup in 2006, here he is, uh, what, 17 years later, uh, playing against his old Carolina hurricanes in the Eastern conference final with a chance to maybe go and win another cup. Um, you know, the Borowski thing is another thing that can get us back talking about the wild a little bit. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of tweets uh, lately from wild fans, Anthony, that are like, you know, what, you know, how, how worried should we be about a Gustafson offer sheet and all the, and, and things like that. And I'm just like, like, part of me, like I get it right. Every GM in the league is looking at like, all right, if they go to July one, the wild aren't going to be able to match. But also in a league where nobody ever really gives offer sheets and and winds up lowering that player, are you really going to blow your brains out on uh, Philip Gustafson? Uh, you know, I, it just no. makes no sense to me. I mean, this is like, who's doing that? It would who's be different if Philip Gustafson had a, let's say, a Jake Ottinger of a year ago's playoff run. Right. Where he stopped 97% of the shots in a series and and looked like a guy who could be your guy of the future. And I, Gus had a good year for Minnesota, without a doubt, and had a terrific year, overachieving year, and surprisingly good year, whatever superlative you want to use. But the guy's been a number one goaltender in the NHL for about a month and a half. He was a backup to Flurry the first half of the season. I feel like he was protected in terms of which opponents he faced. He was really the guy who was handed the – and even when handed the reins – it was very rarely back-to-back games. It was very rarely two starts in a row during that run. I just think that's a lot of question marks still out there for some other organization to say, well, let's roll the dice and, 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 take and a one shot reason at why I say that, and, and it's not even a slight to Philip. It's that like right now we're looking at a playoff where you know, other than the series we're talking about, where it's Freddie versus Bob and then Ottinger in Dallas. But you look at the first two rounds of the playoffs and the teams that were winning with 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 goalies that nobody would ever say. I mean, right now, Vegas has Aiden Hill. Right. I did a goalie tier thing last year for the Athletic, not this past season, but last year, where he was the 30th ranked goalie in our, in our goalie tier. And the quotes by people were absolutely disparaging. And... Now he's in a in a conference final and has been everything that Vegas could have wanted. And he was an, a late signing, a late acquisition from San Jose only because Boursois got hurt. And so, like, 
I just think right now that you can get by with with average goaltending. You can in this league. Yeah, right now. you can. It's obviously it's easier if you have an elite guy. But exactly. There, there just happened to be this year a lot of teams that had advanced with goalies that you would say were less than superstars, but were all playing well. Like yeah. Stuart Skinner played great for Edmonton, but even Stuart Skinner lost his job in the middle of a series they won to Jack Campbell and then got it back when Campbell got blasted by the Kings later in that same series. But it was Linus Allmark, who was probably going to win the Vesna, got yanked, didn't start Game 7 for Boston. It was just a year of strange situations in goal for sure. And you know, even Jake Ottinger, you know, as good as he was the last three games against Minnesota, I thought he was pedestrian in the first three, got pulled twice in the second-round series. He did find a way to win Game 7, and I still believe he's a – terrific goaltender, but there have yeah. been very few that have been bulletproof in this year's postseason. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, and I guess that's my point. Like Jake Bottinger, back to your original point, I mean, that guy's going to win Vezinus in his career. But I think that what this playoff did show is that you don't really need to go out and give Bobrovsky money. Um, but, like, if you're Philip Gus, if you're another team, are you really – to get him on an offer sheet, you're going to have to sign him to four, four and a half, five million dollars. Are you doing that with Philip Gustafson right. in, a le- in, a, in a league where they just showed you in the playoffs that you can get to the conference final with Aiden Hill? Well, I just don't think that makes any sense. I think sense. the other thing that it shows is that you have to have two goaltenders. Yeah. You absolutely have to. In this day and age, I don't know if it's that the game is is faster and more grueling on goaltenders, but there just aren't teams with guys that play 65 games anymore. More teams than not are in the 55-35 ratio, and, and most teams have had a third guy. The yeah. Wild were one of the few teams this year that never really had to go to a third yep. goaltender. Most or in the case teams, of Vegas, five guys. Right. Most teams were might have been a 40, a 30, and a 10 situation. But I think it's more and more teams showing that you got to have two guys and that you got to be willing to play both guys in a playoff run. Yep. I know it's hard to believe, but warm weather is coming and arriving quickly. If you're like me and like your home to stay comfy and cool all summer long, Get a company you could trust, and that's Aquarius Home Services. From AC tune-ups to repairs, you can count on Aquarius's cooling and heating experts to provide you with a five-star experience, respecting you, your home, and time with attention to details that really make a difference. Their 100% performance guarantee is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. Be prepared for this summer's heat and contact Aquarius today. They're just a click away at Aquarius Home services.com and don't forget to mention russo sent you if you're promising that it is going to turn to spring i'll believe you i can't wait to get into twill at the galleria and edina and check out some of their new spring lines i've been anxious to get back out on the golf course i've had one round at a driving range and that's it so far this year and but i can't wait to get out there and check it out they're more than just a suit store they've also got great golf apparel if you're into that and, of course, the, their suits and ties are right up there with the best in town. So I can't wait to get back out on the course. And before I do that, I'm going to have to swing into Twill at the Galleria in Edina and check out their lines. You'll be properly outfitted. Even if your game isn't sharp, you'll look sharp.
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Question. So, uh, Gustafson related. So, if Billy has a number in his head that he's not willing to go over, what happens? And Gustafson says no. Uh, Well, if Billy has a number in his head, by the way, remember that's one of your five questions that you're commanded to ask. Um, The... um, if, if Billy has a number in his head that he's not willing to go over, there's only one choice, and that's to trade him. I mean, you know, if he if he is really has a number that says I'm not I'm not going there, you got to move him. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, and the um, way we've seen Billy act, I would guess that if whatever that number is, if Gus comes in and asks for double that, he might be traded before Billy is hangs up the phone from the conversation with his agent. I don't think it would be a long, you know, if is there if they're within ballpark areas, Billy's going to have some patience. But I think we've seen him say, look, you know where we are. I know where we are. Don't be ridiculous and ask for this amount of money. You know I can't give that to you. And if he does, you might say, all right, well, enjoy Tempe or wherever the hell the bus takes you next. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think that I think that Philip's a reasonable person. You know, agents sometimes aren't always reasonable, but there is, there is I mean, look, just go to cap friendly. We know the wild's limit, right? Um, you know, they're not given seven and a half. That's for sure. Um, so, uh, there is a limit. Um, I'm sure they're, they're, they're starting to eat away at this thing. Um, but my philosophy on goaltending and why there would be no offer sheet is also my philosophy on why the wild shouldn't freak out if this becomes a problem, because I just think that there's going to be options out there that you could sign at a moderate, reasonable price and probably win with that player especially in the defensive system that the Wild have. Just um, think about the guys you just mentioned for Vegas. When Logan Thompson got hurt, they leaned on Brassois and Aiden Hill, and they're playing Jonathan in the conference Quick. final. It, yeah, grab Jonathan Quick. Who I mean, there's guys like that you could grab. And, and the, the thing that Billy has in his back pocket is they've got a guy in a prospect situation that almost everybody is convinced is the real deal. And not that that means that he is, but he's as sure a bet as a goaltender as there is in the American Hockey League right now. That that allows you, I think, a little more flexibility to say, I can go grab a, take a shot at a veteran, a buy low, hope for high kind of performance. And and I, I don't think he'd hesitate to do that if he felt like he was being backed into a corner by Philip Gustafson. Yeah. Um the Athletic had a had an article today that uh, that touched on the two the most disappointing players in this year's postseason. They listed ten guys. Two of them were on the Wild. One was Kirill Kaprizov. The other was Jared Spurgeon. Um, we've we've beaten the Kaprizov thing to death 
on on our last couple shows since the playoffs have ended. But we really haven't touched a ton on Spurgeon. And the point that this writer was making, especially using the analytics and and showing the difference between Jared Spurgeon, who is a unbelievable shutdown defenseman during the regular season, is that it has become an absolute trend that every postseason his numbers completely collapse in almost every metric. Um, and his theory is his size, that it's just, you know, you're going up against and, – and if you look at the final de- – defense cores that are out there right now. Like I was just looked at those Vegas defensemen the other day. They are massive. Yeah, Dallas well, massive. I mean, do you, Vegas, does this Vegas con- might be the best defensive core yeah. in the league. And yeah. that, that was their strength. But, uh, you know, Carolina, same thing, big. Um, do, do, is, does this concern you that the Wilds number one defenseman is great in the first 82 games of the season perennially, but in the playoffs, it's become a bit of a worry. Yeah. Well, I, it was concerning how he played this year. I don't know that I'd say. I'm like not, last year, to me, he had the, he was playing with a core injury. Yeah, I'm that not was, convinced that it's because of his lack of size. I just thought he looked off. And I was talking with I played golf with Wes Walls last week, and we were talking a little bit about just that subject. That when Jared Spurgeon's on, he has as good a knack as anybody in the league from the blue line of jumping in plays, but he never gets caught. His feet are always moving. He never gets caught down low because he's in and out of the corner so fast and he's recovering back out the other side that he just sees the game so well that he he doesn't he doesn't get himself into bad and awkward spots. In this year's playoff, I thought right from the start, there were a couple plays in game one where it just didn't look like the same smooth skating, uber confident. I'm just gonna play. It, he it looked like he was pressing it looked like he was off and it I felt it carried through the whole series I didn't really get a chance to talk to him after the series to to get his thoughts on that but I just thought he looked off and when I asked Wes about it he agreed that he looked off didn't bring up his size but he he shared the same thing he said his lack of confidence in himself to make the same plays he had made all season seemed evident but he wasn't the only one. I thought Jonas Brodine looked yeah. off his game throughout the whole playoff as well, where we didn't see the kind of poise in his own zone, the the closing gaps and coming up with pucks and one-man breakout kind of plays that we saw so often all year. We didn't see it with him in the playoffs either, and and that had nothing to do with lack of size. It just, I just think those two guys were off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Concerning, though, because they're both still, you know, under contract for a long, long time and getting up there in their 30s here. Um, before we uh, talk uh, transition and talk uh, about the Vegas Dallas series, we've t- we've talked about uh, a little bit about Florida and Carolina. I want to ask you about uh, I did a big story today on uh, Keith Jones, who became the president of the uh, president of hockey. Ops. We've joked about the, the fact that neither one of us were qualified to yep. step into the front office. And even though now a broadcaster has done it, a writer is not. Yep. This was a broadcaster. John Davidson yeah. has also I'm made that transition. Not, I'm still not yeah. qualified. Um, there have been writers that have done it. Uh, I don't see myself. I've probably burned enough bridges that I don't see myself, uh, especially in this organization. Um, I, I did. I did, a, a, I did. Once I think we've a, done enough shows together where yeah. nobody'd be hiring us. Yeah, I did. I did have one opportunity to go work for a front office, and that would have been a bad mistake. Um, but let's talk about Keith Jones a little bit because I know you have an immense amount of respect for him, as do I. Um, I did this really funny story today that every, hopefully everybody reads on just how he kept. This is a secret from everybody. Like I talked to Rick Tockett, even as one of his best friends in the world. He had no idea. Craig Berube, no idea. Kenny Albert, who eats with them, 
and and mm. travels with him and does game. At, no idea. Um, you know, first of all, I think that shows you something about his ego. Because if I was up for a job like that in a finalist, I'd be telling everybody, hey, off the record, yeah. this might be it. This guy kept everybody out of the loop. And um, it's just a really funny story, um, really sweet story, too, at times. Like, he flew to Raleigh last week, um, and and they were starting to get rumors that something was going on because all the TNT people were told that Patrick Sharp was being pulled off the Dallas series and coming to Raleigh, but nobody knew, but everybody knew that Ed Olchuk and Keith Jones were both in Raleigh. So that everybody knew something was going on. And then finally, when Keith Jones broke the news to Edzo and Ben Bomo, who's a longtime statistician and researcher and Kenny Albert, they finally asked him, why are you here? He goes, because I want to tell you guys in person. Um, Kenny Albert and Ben Boma changed their flights home to go surprise him at the press conference. That picture that was really went viral last week, the day before he was, um, he was named president of the flyers, uh, that he took, they did a bunch of intentionally subliminal things in the picture, took it in front of an orange background, had three orange peels in their glasses, like stuff like that. So hopefully everybody reads that. Um, yeah, but you I know, he's a very, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a smart dude. He is. And I, I do have a ton of respect for him as a broadcaster. I thought he was one of the best. I thought he was great when the old NBC SN used him in the studio. I thought he was always, he was analytical. He was critical at times, but I thought he was always fair I thought it was always based on fact, not trying to be the make the controversial or the the clickbait kind of statement. And I'm sure he'll be really good in this job. And and I that that actually did surprise me. The the part the point you just made about it being a surprise. I was shocked after I read it that how in the world did nobody it's crazy talk about this? Yeah. Never mentioned that his name was, that he was one of the finalists or anything yeah. like that. It was it's, crazy. It's pretty cool. And uh, hopefully everyone reads that story. And what's really neat is he's actually doing uh, the rest of the Eastern final and the Stanley Cup final. Uh, so I'll actually see him this upcoming week. Um, but, I, you but, know, I actually, the, you mentioned that the, like if you were up for a job like that, you'd be telling everybody. I had the reverse. And I don't know if you remember this, but I had been offered the job with the Wild. And but it was they weren't going to announce it for a while and i didn't tell anybody mm. like i told margo was margo knew nobody i didn't tell my parents i hadn't told any friends and you know the the season was just wet wrapping up at that time and i was moving on to twins for the summer and and i wasn't telling any of my coworkers or anything and you were the one and i didn't know you all that well at the time yeah we and, barely knew each other and you called me and said and and asked me about it and i was like how in the world does does I haven't told anybody about this? Now I had known for maybe a month when you called me. It wasn't like it had happened the night before, but it was still. I was like, boy, this is kind of strange because I, I didn't. And I remember I didn't want to confirm it with you, but I just said something like, "You," because you said, "I tell you what, if you can just confirm it, I'll buy you dinner on the road." And and That's... I was like, "I tell you what." I'll just let you buy me dinner some night and we'll, we'll talk about it then. And that was about the, that was as far as I was going to go to confirm it with you. But, uh, but it was, it was kind of interesting to that be. Doesn't that doesn't sound spot. like me. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I never got the dinner. Yeah. Ah, uh, you've gotten some dinners. I've I got one more. last week as yeah. I won the bet on the show. Yeah. That was annoying. <laughs> um, question. Um, so I was listening to Parrish on KFan the other day, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how between Carolina and Florida, he thinks whoever's the winner of that's going to be the winner of the cup. Do you, I mean, with the way the 
with the yeah. way that this whole like Boston losing yeah. and like all these surprise teams losing. Yeah. I actually What's disagree with that. I think the winner of the Cup's coming out of the West this year. Well, I think it depends on the matchups, yeah. really. I mean, this is a – we talked so much about both conferences being wide open, and a lot of the people – the assumption was the heavyweights were in the East and the West was like the B pool, so to speak. But, like, for example, I thought Edmonton was playing – maybe as well as anybody in the West going into the playoffs. But I thought the two teams that could beat them were the Kings and the Golden Knights. Yeah. I didn't think anybody else had the defensive core to shut them down. But I think if if Edmonton had won that series, I think they'd beat Dallas. But I think Dallas can beat Vegas. I just think there's matchups that way. Where So I think if, if Florida advances, I think either team in the West beats Florida in the final. If Carolina advances, I might feel differently. Yeah, and it's um, – you know what I find really cool about the Final Four is all these Eastern teams that everybody was lauding at the trade deadline for making these unbelievably bold moves while Carolina just sat back and got Puliarvi and Gostivere and Vegas just got Barbashev and, you know, like, uh, you know, Florida basically did nothing and all those teams are out. Boston yeah. goes out and get, gets Orlov and Bertuzzi out. Toronto gets uh, O'Reilly and Cherry uh, and uh, Luke Shen out. Um, uh, yeah. Who else? I mean, uh, you know, uh, New York goes, gets Tarasenko and shots. Kane. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's obvious. I think it shows Tampa you. Tampa Bay gives up six picks for Genoa. Right. And, and, and Calvary. Yeah. Playoffs. He was scratched the last two games. Healthy scratch. Right. But I think it just shows you how important it is to find the right guy because the guys Dallas brought in. Have made a huge difference. Yeah, Domi and Domi and Dodonov have been tremendous additions for them. Barbashev has yeah. been a great player for Vegas. So I think sometimes getting the right fit and the subtle piece, when you throw those top six type guys in and make the big splash, Patrick Kane's a great player. But he changes so much with that team. Now all of a sudden, guys who have been playing together all year aren't playing together anymore, and guys are in different roles. And I'm not—I don't know enough about what was going on inside the Rangers to know if egos were bruised or anything, and that caused problems. But it for—they for sure didn't look like the same team as they had earlier in the season. Paul Maurice is going crazy. A couple f offs to the refs right now. Yeah, I think it's a two-man advantage for Carolina. Yeah. Here. Um, you think Kane goes back to Chicago, by the way? No. Yeah, really? Even with Bedard there? I don't. At cheap price? I, I really think that – I think the way things ended for he and Jonathan Taves, it was – and really, they're not the only ones. That There were a lot of people who just were so disgusted by what was going on with that organization, some of the decisions that were made, that I really think they all have just washed their hands of it. It's on to somewhere else. Now, I also – think Patrick Kane's the type of guy that if the Blackhawks offer 10 million bucks, I don't think he's going to care where he goes. I think he'll go wherever that the, that paycheck takes him. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think it, the way those two guys talked late, it was – I don't think they were supportive of the Blackhawks rebuilding right. plan. Holy crap is Mark – I mean, Paul Maurice is losing his mind, and Wild fans will love it. It's at Steve Kazari. Uh, I mean, losing his mind – um, Ekblad looked like he cross-checked uh, the player into Bobrovsky, in my opinion. I think it was a good call, but yeah. whatever. Uh, question. Yeah, speaking of cross-check, um, and was it game five or six Edmonton and Vegas where 
Petrangelo came in with the tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Andre Zeto. And, yeah, and then um, I fully expected Edmonton to, you know, win the next couple of games. And I was actually shocked that uh, Vegas won the next two just because of the – did the coach get fined? Uh, the coach got fined uh, because um, uh, Darnell Nurse got, uh, was called for instigating a fight. Um, in the last five minutes of the game, which you're not allowed Did to do. He, was he on the ice when he came over and joined that fight? Because I, I, I couldn't figure out where he started skating from. He, I don't uh, know. No, it was off the faceoff. Uh, he just was in the back on the faceoff, and you're done in the last seconds, right? Yeah, yep. yeah he, he didn't come off the bench, or okay. he would have really gotten dinged if okay. he came off the bench to get into a fight. But this was uh, when you're called for instigating a fight in the last five minutes, you get a game suspension and a $10,000 fine unless the league uh, rescinds it, and the league did not rescind it. And I think it was the right call. He instigated the fight. Right. Um, it was a no-brainer. I know there was a lot of talk about that it was convenient that each team yeah, lost, lost their guy, top defense. But mm-hmm. it was not – I don't think – they had no choice with Nurse. He had to be suspended. And Petrangelo had to be – that was a suspendable hit. I, I don't – or a suspendable slash. I think it was – it yeah. was almost – impossible for the league to get that one wrong. I was a little, the only thing I was surprised because of what you just said and what you just said, Anthony, um, you know, that maybe that you give Petro two games just because it was so egregious. And that the league standpoint, George Peros is that you're equating that with a instigating of a fight that was regardless of who instigated the fight, you know, the other guy was, uh, Right, but the instigator is a rule that he doesn't have an option. Yeah, he has the option to rescind, but that doesn't—that's ha- not going to happen. Right, and I—I I think with some of the other suspensions in the playoffs that were one game, with—and they usually—we've talked to him about it—that there's a difference between regular season and playoffs. Like one playoff game is somewhere around three or four in the regular season in their minds. I don't think that was a eight-game suspension with that slash. Yeah. It was probably a three or four game suspension in the regular season, which is one in the playoffs. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, by the way, Seth Jarvis one other question scored, uh, for Carolina won nothing. Um, you tweeted, I don't know, a few weeks ago that Carolina has built a great team. And so I'm wondering, you know, what do you consider? How do you, I mean, what are the components needed to build a great team? Well, it starts with their blue line. I mean, their blue line is uh, is unbelievable. Um, and I think that is the common denominator of a lot of the teams that are still alive in the playoffs right now. Um, you know, they each, all four, have bona fide big number one defensemen in Heiskanen, Petro, um, you could call Brent Burns, Slavin, you know, a 1A, 1B there, and then uh, and then Ekblad in Florida. I think that's part yeah, of it. I think that's part of it. I, I think I think their decor. Actually, I thought their roster construction was really good last year too. But the, the, their third line was built very similarly to Minnesota's grief line a year ago. I think their decor prior to this year with adding Burns was similar to Minnesota's in the way it was built. Brett Pesci is one of the more underrated defensemen in the also NHL. Also, Brady Shea, like he yeah. is a hell of a defense. He is, and for Dallas, I think the guy Hayskinen's unbelievable, but. He's Ryan Suter's just he's just a guy, I think, at this point. Hockenpah and Lindell are terrific as a second pair. Hockenpah was a horse in the Minnesota series. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of it. But look, I mean, just look at Carolina right now. They had no Terravine and all he's playing tonight, uh, broken wrist. They had Petcheretti in the game that we were at where he uh, no contact torn Achilles. And then you had Svechnikov um tear his ACL 
while I was actually with them down in uh, – it happened in uh, the game before, but I, I was with Carolina embedded with them when all that was going down uh, in uh, earlier this season. So – uh, no, sorry, I'm getting that mistaken. I was actually at the GM's meetings when all that happened. Yeah, so that's so why much of the knock on them last year was that they lacked the one bona fide game-breaking score. Mm-hmm. They went out and got Max Pacioretty. He was supposed to be that guy, and he wound up playing, what, yeah. three games yeah. for him or four games, yeah. and yet they're finding ways to win. And Imagine uh, if you threw yeah. him in the middle of that And lineup. every night it's a different guy there. Like, it's the same thing with Vegas. Every night it's somebody different there. Like, they have a great blue line. Like, I was looking around their room the other day, and you got guys, they have, it's good the best players up, yeah, all up and down their lineup. That Hague and White Cloud, and um, uh, just really good players over over there. I mean, Theodore and Martinez. It just goes on and on there. I want to tell you that it's spring. The weather is getting nicer. Anthony was just on the golf course, and that means the spring selling season is here. Skip the spring cleaning and get straight to the spring selling. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home yet. So you can be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right. More people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There's no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be. There's no obligation. Go to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Open a smart checking account at Royal Credit Union and enjoy a $250 bonus. Royal Smart Checking has no monthly fees and no minimum balance requirement. See offer details and exclusions and open your account today at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. The Stanley Cup playoffs are still in full swing and a great place to watch the games is at Moe's at the Ice House. Great TVs set up. And a great menu. When you go in there, they've got a, they're known for their wings. They've got some great pizzas as well. But check out some of the burgers. You'll like the new Brighton Burger. I always, when I've been there before, I like the Jim Beam Burger. Check it out. But it's a great spot to sit inside, watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. And for some of us, we're shifting over to baseball, so it's not a bad place to watch a ball game either. It's Moe's at the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. Question. Yeah, I listened to your podcast on Sunday, uh, straight from the source, and mm-hmm. when Billy was there, and you guys were talking about all the unknowns. Uh, what what is the actual time frame when we're going to know about whether or not Duhame gets signed, Revo? Well, I mean, uh, Revo, I would think it would either happen sooner, or if if it doesn't go far, if it does not happen soon, that means Revo is sticking to, I want two years a while they're sticking to their one year and then maybe they're going to circle back free agency. Um, Duhame could happen at any time, uh, you know, but, but again, you give your qualifying offer around, around uh, the draft and then you have pretty much all summer to get that guy done as long as you retain his rights through a QO. So if you don't hear anything by a certain date, what date is that? Um, I mean, well, look, Karol uh, Kaprizov signed on the eve of camp last two years ago, right? Right. So I mean, you can you know, as long as you're retained rights, uh, you could sign him at any time uh, for a restricted free agent. If all of a sudden December first comes around, then you can't play. Um, you know, that's what happened with William Nylander. But I get what you're saying. I mean, you know, like to me, none of, nothing's pressing except for Gustafson right now. So if Reeves doesn't sign imminently, it just means that he's playing hardball. Uh, Duham is just to me a regular RFA that could be signed at any point. Same thing with Shaw. Same thing with, um, you know, I, I assume they're not going to QO uh, Sam Steele and let him test free agency. Um, players like that. And then the Uf- other UFAs, you know, I mean, Nyquist is the only guy I think they'd be interested in bringing back. But I think right now he they feel he's too expensive. But 
Um, but yeah, I mean, July one is the start of free agency. So um, if if Reeves gets to July one, he's free to sign with any other team. Duham, if he gets July one and the Wilds give him his qualifying offer, they retain his rights, and the only way he could leave is if he if he uh, he gets an offer or offer sheeted, which he isn't. You know, Kalen Addison is somebody that has no leverage; he has no arm rights, nothing. So the Wild are going to decide whether to trade him. Whether to QO him, which they'll, they'll obviously QO him, which just means retaining the rights to turn a guy into a restricted free agent, um, or or to sign him at some point. So those are the really the pressing guys, right? I mean, uh, anybody else? Addison, Shaw, um, Duham. Those those are the only ones. Reeves, Gustafson. Those are the only ones that I really have a shot at being back. Um, so. And then second question is when when would we see uh, McIntyre or Wallstead? Um, well, McIntyre, I think, is a free agent, if I remember correctly. So I uh, would assume that they will – I can't remember, actually, if he's a free agent um, off the top of my head. Um, but but uh, whilst at they want to have another full year at least in the minors. They're not going to have him as a backup or, and, and things like that. So um, And McIntyre is just – you know that's right now their third goalie. I cannot remember off the top of my head. I thought they just signed him to a one-year deal. McIntyre? Yeah. Uh, meaning last heading year. into last season, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you know, the, you either bring him back or you assign somebody else. Um, uh, I can't remember. Do they even have any other goalies other than Hunter Jones right now? So, I mean, if 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 it's not McIntyre and Wallstad next year in the minors, they're gonna have to go get somebody. But also, my mind is blank thinking about the Wild right now. Any other questions? Or gonna wrap up? Uh, so, you think I picked Dallas to win the Cup at the start of the playoffs? Um, Did and, you really? Yeah. Uh, in the athletic, and uh, so obviously I'm sticking with them, even though I'm not. I'm not. You know, the, uh, you asked about Vegas too, and and being shocked that that Edmonton was, didn't win after didn't respond to the Drysdale thing. Vegas has impressed me throughout the playoffs. Like analytically, they were mediocre in every single thing this year, and uh, but yet this series against Edmonton, whether both in game and in series, they just always bounce back. You know, yeah, for them it's to get just their hard to pick a team with Aiden Hill and goal to win a series, but. It's yeah, I'd, I'd probably lead Dallas there. I, I still think Carolina's playing the best of all the playoff teams, mm-hmm. and definitely, I guess that would be the team out of these four I'd pick to win it. Yep. Um, all right, question. Uh, my husband's too shy to ask, but <laughs> he, I, I heard him. He asked the yeah. best question of the show. He right. came up and asked if uh, if Arizona was, it was the same. most succinct question in the history of our show. <laughs> yeah. Um, he wants to know what the chances of Toes coming here, Jonathan. Taves. Jonathan Taves. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, I would doubt it. Almost nil. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a question. Another question too. Do you guys believe in the Minnesota curse? No. Of course, jinxes are real, and so are curses. <laughs> no. Jinxes nah. are not real. That's a proven thing. Um. They, sometimes. Curses, Who proved that? Like curses, and, you can't tell me that there's no that there's proof of that. There is proof. There, you show me one thread of evidence that says, like for example, a word that I say during a broadcast can impact what happens on the ice. There's not a player on the ice that's listening to the broadcast. Not one of them knows what I've said, and yet you think that if I say the Wild have killed eight power plays in a row and they score, that that means I jinxed it? Clearly, oh, that's. Yeah, yeah, I know. It. What? Here's here's my explanation to that. And I we talked about this when the Wild had a penalty killing streak of 
what did it end up, 22 in a row or 23 in a row at the end of the season? We talked about it on every kill from the time that streak was at 11 to 23. Every single time they went shorthanded, we said they've killed 11 in a row. They've killed 12 in a row. They've killed 13 in a row. They've killed 14 in a row. So 13 times we said it, and it, they did not score. Then one time they did, and I had some, and we were making a comment. We were noting it in the broadcast booth and laughing about it. Like, yep, there's a, and I said, let's, how long do you think it takes before they score to get the first guy on Twitter to say, way to jinx it, LaPanta? And it was about eight seconds. And we wanted to reply, this was 14 of these in a row that we said the same thing. It had nothing to do with the puck going in the net. But I've told you my all-time favorite jinx argument, right? So I coach high school football at Totino Grace. We go down to the field for our warm-up. The coaches, we all leave and go up. The captains stay down there for the coin toss. So we're sitting up in the coach's office. It's, this is like the final 10, 12 minutes before the game's going to start. And we're just kind of going to having some laughs. And, and I said, hey, by the way, did anybody know if we won the coin toss? And nobody knew. And I said, you know, we've won six in a row. And one of these guys says, you can't say the way to jinx it. I said, are you going to tell me that something I said right now is going to impact the outcome of an event that's already happened? <laughs> the toss, we just don't know the result yet. But it's, somebody does, and they are actually argued with me that you jinxed it. Well, it turned out we won the toss again that night. And I was like, this thing already happened. That's because it already happened. If it, right. it did not happen, you uh, would have jinxed it. No. All right. But curses are real. So, so do you ever use the word shutout or no hitter? Absolutely, I would. Ugh. And it doesn't, there's nothing that there is. Now, here's where I'd say that where I agree with you that there's, a, and I wouldn't use the word curses, but karma is a real thing. Like if you're the coach and you say that's different because the players can actually hear you. So if the coach turns and says, hey, guys, we got a shutout going, well, that's different. That, that, and so I do believe that there can be some bad karma and that with organizations that I think you're talking yourself into a pretzel because that makes no sense to me. There yeah, could be, no. there's something as karma, but there, but no, not no, jinxes. I'm, well, yeah. Cause I'm, so do you think a coach, if he turns to everybody, Hey guys, you know what? We have a shutout going tonight. That, that's not a jinx, but that actually can change what might happen because it gets inside guys' heads. That's, it, that's not jinxing it. But I do believe that, so if you want, I don't know if curse is the right word, but there are organizations that can get into ruts of losing without a doubt. And that, but that's a real thing because now you have a lack of belief where it's a carryover from last year. Like we've lost in big games before we can lose in big games again, but that's not a jinx. That's not a guy upstairs on TV saying this kicker hasn't missed a field goal in six months. I mean, that. You know, and then he misses one. Well, they said it; he hadn't missed one in five months and thirty days last week. You know, I mean, it, it's it, th th those kind of things just are. It'd be different if you were the coach than if you're the broadcaster. The bro I have zero power. If I had the power to change the outcome of games by what I say, the Wild would have had a half a dozen Stanley Cups already, and the Vikings would have a few Lombardi trophies. And I mean. Yeah, right. I'll just start every time. You know, Jake Ottinger has stopped every shot so far. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, bet, I wonder if gamblers, like, I was just in Vegas, and I wonder if gamblers, like, do that. Like, if you need, like, a goal, if you start, like, you know, saying, shut out, shut out, shut out. You know what was funny? I was just in Vegas for the, um, I watched the, the Dallas-Edmonton game six, 
in a sports book in Vegas. And um, and Dallas was up 2 nothing, And with 17 seconds left, Oliver Bjorkstrand scored a goal. And everybody in the sports book like freaked the heck out. And it dawned on me that those were the people that bet the puck line or bet like that, you know, them to so win by one and a half or some people like you could actually bet like to win exactly by two. And that meaningless goal that Bjorkstrand scored at the 17 seconds left cost people a lot of money. Oh, without a yeah, doubt. I mean, it's just so funny. It's so funny. Um, and we were out there. I think it was the first trip the Wild made out there. And it was during March Madness. Mm-hmm. And it was it was actually not the first weekend. It was the Sweet 16 weekend. But it was f- so much fun watching in those sports books because you'd have people. Uh, one team would score and this table roars. The other team yeah, scores really, and this table roars. It was in games that were a team was up by 18. Yeah. But, you know, those baskets at the end were huge. It, it yeah. was, it's fun. It's Weren't fun we out there for March Madness this year too? Or right before the f- final? We four? were out there right. But we yeah. were out there for the semifinals, but not the final. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming out here to Split Rocks on this uh, smoky uh, Thursday night. Uh, really appreciate you joining us here from the Aquarius Home Services studio on location. Uh, right now, this is actually our last live show of the month. So uh, pay attention to our Twitter account and our upcoming uh, recorded podcast to find out when we'll be out uh, at one of the Tuttle's locations in the month of June. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatments. Uh, systems and also they do plumbing, heating, and cooling. Twill in the Dyna Galleria, Bosch Law Firm, Chris Lindell Real Estate, Royal Credit Union, and Moe's Tavern. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh, but the world won't forgive. I just finally found my game, and it's the donkey game.